Have you ever heard someone say that you have to write the book that only you can write? That you've got to write for yourself? That you can't think of the reader when you're writing your book? Because if you're just writing to sell copies, you're a a low-class, no-good hack. Well, what if that's only part of the story? What if that mindset is holding you back from selling more copies of your book? Now, I'm not saying that you should think about your reader right from the moment of inception when you have the idea, and that you should throw away any kind of idea that you have that you don't fully understand how to get it to market. But what if thinking about your reader is actually what makes you a better author? Hey, listen, you're not tuning in to the reluctant book marketer because you love journaling. You're listening to this show because this is the show that deals with the mindset you need to sell a million copies of your book. And I'm aware that that is more copies than most every author sells. But I'm also aware that this is an attainable goal and it's something you can do. But you have to start thinking in new ways. Your mindset has to shift. You have to take the reluctance to market and turn it into a strength. If that's something you think you can do, let's keep pursuing that goal together. Hey, I'm the Reluctant Book Marketer, and I've got just one question for you. Do you see your novel as a million-dollar asset? Because if you don't, and you want to, you're in the right place. This is the only show for novelists who want to shift their mindset away from fear and toward abundance. Because you can sell more books than you ever dreamed when you believe in what you're doing. There is a massive perspective shift that takes place after we are finished with our first draft. A lot of it happens unconsciously. We know the book we wrote needs work. We know that we need to revise it, to edit it, to rewrite parts. We may even have to scrap the whole first draft and write a second version of the same story to try to find that energy and the potency that lived in our head when we conceived of the story idea. But the problem is so many authors do not make the connection that after they're finished with their first draft, it's time to shift and start thinking of this not as the book only we could write, but as the book that we can write in collaboration with our readers. What do I mean collaboration with our readers? You probably have workshopped something before if you've been writing for a little while. You've probably had other writers have a look at your book and tell you where they think that maybe something has gone off the rails, where there's not enough information, where you could have squeezed a bit more out of a characterization or held the tension just a beat longer to really amplify the suspense. Those kind of things are common. But again, here's something you're not thinking about. 
If you're workshopping with other writers, you are getting the benefit of a professional, but you're not getting a benefit of the very person you most want to attract, who is the reader. There are vastly more readers than there are writers. It might not always feel that way in your day-to-day because as writers, we interact with each other quite a bit, but it's the readers you're interested in. And if you don't think about your reader, you're not going to write the book that they want to read. Great authors learn to think about their reader. This generally happens at the breaking point for an author. It happens at the moment where you think, I'd do anything to publish a book. I would do anything. And I'm talking like murder, bank robbery, whatever it takes. When you're at that moment, it's this shift where you suddenly think, why is no one interested in my work? And that is the question. That is the moment when you ask, why is no one else interested in my work? Why can't I find readers, that you are so vulnerable to do something amazing. That's when you write the second draft where you're thinking the whole time about the reader. But it doesn't seem like you're doing anything wrong because you've been working for so long. You've been working for so long to bring this dream to reality, to make it happen. So you thought about your reader. But again, it didn't happen consciously. And this is where we, who are still working to sell our first 5,000 copies pre-release, our first 10,000 copies in year one, our first million copies over the life of that book, this is where we can gain an advantage. With the mindset shift, with the awareness that the book we write, while in its infancy, all about the idea. It's about us. It's about bringing our idea to life, writing the book that only we can write. But once the story is down, we begin a dialogue with our ideal reader, thinking about our reader and what would make that person love this book more, what we could do to turn up the tension. So I want to give you three ways that you can think about your reader productively to write a book that can sell a million copies. Are you ready? So it turns out I have a Patreon. And if you're interested in supporting this show at the $5 a month subscriber level, you'll make sure that all the costs just, you know, upkeep are taken care of. It'd mean the world to me. If this show means the world to you, check out the link in my show notes. I want you to think about a book that you love. And ideally, this is a book that inspired you to write the one that you're working on, that you are getting ready to publish. But any book that you loved will do. And I want you to think about the book, not as a writer, but as a reader. And tell me, What was the moment that you knew this book was something phenomenal? Because there's a moment inside that book that captured your attention. And my guess is that it was fairly early on. This is is how we fall in love 
with a book is that right off the bat, we feel something crackling on the page, something that's drawing us in. And it's the thing that we have to see resolved, whether it's uh, the, the full fruition of a character's development, or it is the gaining of something they're striving for, the overcoming of an obstacle that seems insurmountable. Think of that thing. Because as a reader, that's the thing that gripped you like a hook and pulled you through the book. As a writer, if you think about it, you'll get too technical. So just think of it emotionally like a reader. Now, using that emotional element, go out into the community and start conversations with people who have read that book and ask them questions about that moment. Ask them questions about that character that can give you insight into what they are thinking, how they responded to it. And I guarantee you, people who love the book will also love that moment. For me, I think of Train Dreams. I probably mentioned that book in 75% of my podcasts, it feels like. Dennis Johnson is one of the great authors of my lifetime. And in Train Dreams, Robert Granier, his family is taken in a horrific forest fire. And that's, that is so painful to endure. But it's painful to endure because of the hook. And the hook happens almost immediately when he is compelled to help chase down an immigrant Chinese railroad worker. And the violence they do to that Chinese railroad worker, he knows is wrong, and he participates in it. And when his family dies, he feels like he is cursed for the choices he made. That's the moment. And I know from people that I've spoken to that that moment lingers and it grips the reader right away. It tugs on the fact that you hate sympathizing with his situation. It tugs on the fact that you have done things in your life that you regret and wish you hadn't done. And that there is a moment in your life that you point to and say, I wonder if the suffering that I've experienced is because of that choice I made. So that book becomes profoundly relatable. And it just draws you through as you see pain and revelation, goodness and, and more hurt and confusion and, and wonder and awe all take place in his life. So now that you've found the emotional core of a comparable title to the book that you're writing, you want to move into the second thing that you do to have an advantage over most other novelists. And that's that you want to take this emotional core and you want to go find other enthusiasts about the book that you read and resonate with. And you want to make sure that the enthusiasts aren't other writers. I can't stress this enough. You completely undermine everything that you want to accomplish if you settle for a writer. So I want to give you a quick caution. And here's the caution. We as writers often feel that we're asking too much as it is. And so we lean very heavily, we lean very heavily 
on the idea of reciprocity. I'll read your work, you read my work, I'll scratch your back, you scratch my back. And this honestly goes really far into the marketing and sales process because many of us will try to lean only on our writer friends to help sell copies, to get ratings and reviews when we're published. And that's great because a lot of authors will be generous with you in the hopes that you will return that generosity later, but none of them are going to become the kind of evangelists for your book that you need in order for it to sell. Because the ultimate outcome for your book is to find readers who are so passionate about it that they share it with their friends. Readers share in a way that no one else shares. When they are passionate about a book, you won't believe what they can do for your marketing. And so here is where if you have listened to my caution, you will do whatever it takes to find a reader, 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 just a reader, not a writer, reader, a reader. Find your reader and put the book in their hands. And if that means you need to pay them for their time and ask them for specific feedback on your emotional core, then that's what you need to do. Pay them. Remember, from an earlier episode, your book is an asset. And I don't think that you've ever acquired an asset before without paying money. So if you think somehow you're going to take this to the finish line without paying money, you got another thing coming. But maybe you don't have to pay this one. I think that there are plenty of readers out there who will gladly read a book in progress if you communicate to them that, hey, this book that I write, <clears throat> this book that I wrote, <clears throat> this book that I wrote, I wrote because I was so passionate about this book that you're interested in. And I really want to know, do you feel the resonance between them? And do you feel like my emotional core kind of is similar to the emotional core of this other book? How can I elevate it? How can I make it better? And if you bring that very specific question to them, you are going to see something amazing happen. They're going to give you specific feedback about where you succeeded and where you failed. And when you have that feedback in hand, you can start revising with the reader in mind. You can only do this if you find specific reader readers, not writer readers. You have to get a reader reader who's going to read it and give you that feedback. And something amazing happens. Your book becomes reader oriented. And honestly, what's the point of telling stories if no one's reading them? What's the point of telling a story if you don't want readers for it? So don't be ashamed. Again, please, I'll say it again, but don't be ashamed to write for readers. You've already got past the first draft. You've had your baby. It's beautiful. It's one of a kind. Now it's actually time to do what we all do as adults. In the process of becoming adults, we don't become more unique. We actually conform to societal standards, and that's not bad. Even if you go back to the earliest humans, there were tribes. People benefit from conforming to standards. It doesn't make you less important. It makes you more relatable. It gives us a place to grab onto to understand and communicate. If I don't speak English and you do, we can't have a conversation. So please understand, unique book, it's amazing. We all love it. Now it's time to let that go and start conforming it to what the reader expects. Or there's no point ever publishing it. Because why in the world do you want to put something out there that's so unique no one can relate?
All right, Jody, calm down. The third and final thing you want to do as the writer writing for a reader, and I encourage you to do this even if you are traditionally publishing, even if you don't get a, a say in cover design, is I want you to go out, I want you to find 10 titles that are in your specific genre and subgenre, the 10 books that you think are closest to your own book. So many writers skip this for a handful of reasons. First among them is it's actually pretty difficult to find 10 books that you think are really similar to yours. And some writers might not have actually read broadly enough to run into those books. So that may be an opportunity for you to start reading more. Figure out your genre, your subgenre, and start devouring books. Maybe you actually already know, though. And when you have those books, visually take those covers and bring them to your reader reader. And ask your reader reader, which cover do you like? Which cover do you dislike? And have them rank them one through ten. And then find another reader reader. This is a smaller project, so you can probably find ten readers who read and love the book that yours is most comparable to and figure out what they like about those covers and the design and the authors. And you're going to take all of that information back and you're going to lay it on top of your book. If you're a self-publisher, this is the moment where you become inflexible about getting a, a cover designed that looks like the most popular of the 10 covers that you picked. And that doesn't mean completely stealing, but it again means being sensitive to what a reader loves and making your book conform to the best of the best. Inspiration is a wonderful thing. But if you're traditionally published, this is a moment that you can share with your publisher the research you've done, and let them know what you found. I guarantee you, if you approach it like this, you will be persuasive enough to get something from the art department that's really close. And here's an interesting story. Uh, another of my favorite authors, I've probably mentioned him before, is David Foster Wallace. He wrote Infinite Jest. It's a great book. It's not for everyone. No book really is. It's probably even more limited in its scope than the success of its sales. But the reason I bring it up is because David Foster Wallace had a very specific cover he wanted for his book. And even though he had already had a great deal of success with essays and a previous novel, the house did not listen to him. And the house didn't listen to him for the reason that the house doesn't listen to just about anybody. And that's because it was what he wanted. It was his vision. Let's stop being so focused on our vision. Let's stop being so narrowly blinded to what is happening in publishing. Let's collaborate with our readers. If you do these three things, if you find the emotional core of your comp title, if you take that emotional core and talk with a reader about it and your book and get the information about how to elevate your emotional core, and then if you take the 10 comp titles and the cover art that they have and bring that to your publisher, your art designer, whoever it may be, and show them what the readers have to say and the feedback you got, I guarantee you, you are going to be positioned to sell a million copies of, of your. Yeah, you're gonna be positioned to sell a million copies of your book.
Hey, if you are bought into the idea that you want to sell a million copies, I have a partnership with Author Advantage Live. Chandler Bolt's self-publishing school hosts each year Author Advantage Live, and it takes you from writing the book to monetizing the book to selling your first 10,000 copies, marketing your book. It's a great program. It's going to be August 11th through 13th of 2022. I'll be attending. I'll be tweeting all about my experience. I'll be sharing in a, a podcast episode what it was like. But if you want to go, pick up your ticket today. I'll have a link in the show notes. As far as I know, it's still $46. But even if they've bumped it up, it's a great deal for three days of training where hundreds of authors have used self-publishing school and Author Advantage Live to launch their book and sell the first 10,000 copies in one year. That's attainable. From there, you know where we're going. One million. So please take the opportunity to click on the link, learn more, and pick up your ticket today. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a big favor right now. Click on the follow button in whatever podcast app you're listening on. That way you'll get notifications every time I drop a new episode. And if you still can't get enough, you can go to the show notes, click the link for my newsletter, and sign up today. I'll give you one to two interesting pieces of content every single month that you won't hear on the podcast or find laying around on the internet.